Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? My name's Courtney. I'm going to be your host and I'm soloing this up today because um, there's just been a lot of stuff going on in the news about Emmett Till and his accuser or the woman who basically started the whole process that got him abducted, tortured, mutilated, and lynched. But before we can really talk about Emmett Till and everything that you know is going on with the case currently as well as what happened in 1955... We need to go through a little bit of history about lynchings in America, because if you don't understand just how rampant they really were, hearing about Emmett Till and his story makes it sound like it's an an oddity and it was obscure. And this is why it caused such frustration and hatred. And really, it didn't. It was something that had been going on over 100 years by the time it happened. So lynching started before the Civil War in the South in about the 1830s and slowly faded out to small occurrences after the civil rights movements during the 1950s and 60s. There are still lynchings that happen. They're not as common as they were, you know, in the 1930s, 20s, when it was like towards the end of its heyday, if we want to call it that. But there were still quite a few lynchings that have happened, you know, even in the past 10, 15 years. I'm from Texas. I know about the lynching out in Jasper. It's something that is horrific to think about. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of people who, pro- especially those that are probably listening to this podcast, wanting to educate yourself more in history, think that, you know, if you saw something like this, you 110% would speak up to try to be like, you know, the good guys. Because, But we also have that mentality of what are, if it's one versus 50, what is the best that you can do? And it sucks when you think about it like that. Um, and I think that's probably why there also were still white people that were lynched as well. However, they were the small, small minority that were lynched because it was mostly black Americans, but also other minorities. Most white Southerners that felt threatened by either the fact that they needed to keep white supremacy or they had economic rivalry with other minorities, especially um, those black farmers that were able to do, you know, either quicker work, better work um, or produce more crops just for whatever the reason may be they maybe they had better rain than their neighboring farmers. These white Southerners would basically carry out extrajudicial killings to even the playing field in their mind. You know, it wasn't just, you know, they want to keep white supremacy and economic rivalry. They would just do it out of spite about hearing that someone had killed someone. So a lot of lynchings were those accused of murder um, or those that were accused of raping someone. And those were the primary targets for most lynchings in the South. However, it wasn't just in the South. Um, During the great migration of a lot of um, Black Americans to, you know, the West Coast, Midwest, to keep that white supremacy, a lot of lynchings happened, whether it was done by the KKK, or it was just done by locals who, you know, felt threatened. Literally, one Black person comes to town, you feel threatened. It's weird. And Coming from my perspective, I know that I'm in the majority as being a white woman, but there is no reason for it. Um, We've always had, everyone has always had a fear of the unknown. And it's probably for good reasons. I mean, even going back to the founding of this country with those that were indigenous to this country, we're definitely, I mean, you go back and watch Pocahontas and it's don't trust the white man. Best quote in the best, you know, 110% realist line from a Disney movie. But at the same time, you have a lot of people that are just scared of the unknown and whatever that is. And if you've never seen a black person and they move to your town, you know, post-Civil War, 1902, and they live up to whatever horrible things you've read in the newspaper or your cousin from, you know, 10 counties over has told you, 
They're horrible. They, you know, they worship, they do voodoo. They are not Christians. And everyone in this country is Christian, yada, yada, yada. You have so many things that just perpetuate this ideology of strangers. And I think that a lot of people are just scared. That is no excuse. None. There was almost 5,000 lynchings between about 1890 to 1930 that were documented. That means that there were some that weren't documented. A lot of people would take souvenirs like bones. It's fucking gross and creepy. And that's why I'm laughing because it's creepy. They would just have postcards of lynchings that they would send out. Like it was some sort of 4th of July picnic. And they wanted to commemorate that they were at this lynching. It's weird and horrible. So let's talk about Emmett Till. He was born July 25th, 1941. Up in Chicago. He was raised in Chicago. Um, he lived all of his life up until the very end in Chicago. In the summer of 1955, he decided to visit relatives near Money, Mississippi, which is in the Mississippi Delta region. I don't know anything about Mississippi except that it's a state. And I could not tell you where on the map that is. But if you know maps and you know areas, Mississippi Delta region. While he was at a local grocery store, Emmett Till struck up a conversation with then 21-year-old Carolyn Bryant, she was the white married proprietor of the store. Her husband owned the store. And while the actual accounts are still disputed, like up until this day, still disputed, Till was accused of whistling slash flirting with Bryant, which is a no-no in the Jim Crow era laws, which again, fake laws, in the South. So several nights after the incident in the grocery store, Carolyn Bryan's husband, Roy, and his half-brother, J.W. Millam, who were armed, went to Till's great-uncle's house and abducted Emmett, where he was just sleeping, minding his own damn business. When the two took Emmett, they beat and mutilated him before shooting him in the head and sinking his body in the Tallahatchie River. Three days later, the boy's mutilated and bloated body was discovered and retrieved from the river. So there are photos of Emmett Till's body because his mother refused to have a closed casket. His body was taken to Chicago for his funeral. And during 1955, this is the start of like the first decade of civil rights. And it starts to hit that peak, that stride that a lot of people, I think had been wanting like that extra reason to do it, to have two white men go and murder a child because he supposedly offended a 21 year old white woman for whatever reason it may be. I mean, so during the funeral um, held up in Chicago at Robert Simple Church of God in Christ is quoted as the open coffin funeral held by Miss Till Bradley exposed the world to more than her son Emmett Till's bloated mutilated body. Her decision forced attention not only on U.S. racism and the barbarism of lynching, but also on the limitations and vulnerabilities of American democracy. No justice was really served. Um, you know, ten, tens of thousands attended his funeral or viewed his open casket and images of his mutilated body that was bloated from being in the river as well. Circulated newspapers and magazines across the country and across the world and rallied popular black support and white sympathy across the U.S. while doing so. So not only do you have black support going to the civil rights, you now have this white sympathy because it's why would anyone do this to a child? It doesn't matter if he's 15 and he's close to 18 and he can go to the Korean, he can enlist in the Korean War. That doesn't matter. He's still a child and there was no due process. So the two men that killed him were put on trial in Mississippi. So in September 1955, literally not long after, so we're talking like less than a month, 
an all-white jury found Bryant and Millam not guilty of his murder. And because they were protected against double jeopardy, the two men publicly admitted in a 1956 interview with a magazine that they had tortured and mutilated the boy, and they sold the story of how they did it and how basically they got away with it for about $4,000. Emmett Till's murder was seen as a catalyst for the next phase of the civil rights movement. In December of 1955, Montgomery bus boycott began in Alabama and lasted more than a year, resulting eventually in a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that segregated buses were unconstitutional. So this poor child gave his life for basically being the catalyst of the civil rights movement, but it shouldn't have happened. Um, And in my opinion, it gets kind of worse. So you have these two men that had said, yes, we totally killed him. They can't be retried. So what's going on now with Emmett Till? This seems like it's a shut and closed case. It's horribly depressing. Brian and Millam lived out some horrible lives. They were ran out of towns. People from Mississippi that would see them would literally be like, no, give them bird, give them bird and drive away. I believe Bryant moved to Texas, tried to open up a grocery chain again. It was Millam. Doesn't really matter. They both are pretty fucking horrible. And I think they both died of cancer. So they're both dead. But Carolyn Bryant is still alive. She is remarried as well. So recently, it was recently found that an arrest warrant for Carolyn Bryant, who accused Emmett Till, was found in a court basement, or at least the records of one was found. So what does this mean? This means when he was missing, before the body was actually found in the river, there was an arrest warrant for Carolyn Bryant, for her to come in and to testify what she knew and did it, or to come in to be questioned about what she knew and didn't know about Emmett Till because of what had happened at the grocery store. Other people had seen her reaction and would have asked, what do you know? Well, Mississippians going to be Mississippians and didn't want to bother a white woman who had young children. And so they never actually acted on the warrant. The warrant is technically still active because this warrant is still active. There is still a possibility that if the county that I believe it's in wants to, they can go and get her. And basically, she would be the catalyst for the reason that Emmett Till was killed um, and the reason for the abduction. And because of what she said, whether she fabricated or not is a different story. So the whole other thing with Carolyn Bryant is that she was not an innocent bystander. Whether she was coerced into saying what she said originally about what Emmett Till may have said, where she said he grabbed her waist, she recanted that in the grand jury. So it couldn't actually be even brought to trial that that is what had happened. Whether she was coerced by her husband, who witnesses said that he looked like he abused her and she was, you know, had PTSD from that. I'm not giving her a pass on what happened because she even admitted that this should have never happened. And with just because of the situation in the South, there's still no reason and no rhyme or reason for it. However, Carolyn Bryan has gone on to do a couple of interviews. When she was with a writer, the writer said that she recanted the whole thing and that it had never happened. However, he only got it, quote unquote, signed on like a little piece of paper. She denied she told him that. She also, because it was not on a recording or anything from the rest, like he didn't put it on his recordings with the rest. And apparently she said it kind of offhandedly. She wouldn't say it on the recording. So she can deny it. There is no corroboration about her account or about the account that she had made the whole thing up. And whether that's true or not, Emmett Till's family deserves to have 
justice. Everyone deserves to have justice. Emmett Till and his family deserve to have the justice for him. His mother has long been passed away. Carolyn Bryant can go to jail. And because Carolyn Bryant can go to jail, there at least needs to be a little bit better of an investigation. The Department of Justice reopened the case and closed it in December of 2021. Why is it that the Emmett Till Foundation was able to find these documents that the Department of Justice was unable to find? Or maybe they saw and didn't think anything of it. And so it's conspiracy theory time, right? Oh, they didn't want to, they want to just like, you know, shut the case. But obviously someone knew that there was something there for family members of Emmett Till to go looking for this or to have others go looking for this possible documentation. And the fact that it was never served, the warrant itself was never served, it's still technically active in the eyes of the law and that she can still be questioned in his uh, missing case before he was found. Like Emmett Till's story, from my perspective, is a horrible situation that should have never happened. And Jim Crow laws in the South are horrible. And all white juries were basically a dime a dozen. You didn't have, I mean, we didn't have women serving on juries back then, basically. So it was always men. And it was always white men that, you know, whether they felt um, emboldened by the white supremacy around them, or from themselves, or they're scared to lose up on that, they would vote in favor of a white person in the South more likely than voting for innocence of some of a black individual that was on trial. There are so many different instances of people having their convictions overturned in the South. Those people specifically being those that are black that were tried by a quick trial um, with basically a majority or all white jury. Because again, if you were happened to be a black person on that jury and you didn't fall in line with how everybody else was going to vote, They knew who you were. It's not like you could just get away. But the legacy of Emmett Till really is that it was finally the first time that people from outside the South of the U.S. actually saw what was happening and realized, wow, it doesn't, it's not like this is always expected. Um, But it also, right after Emmett Till's death and with those two men, you know, with Brian and Millen getting off, The fear in Mississippi, Alabama, by Black Americans was rampant because if those two men could get away with killing Emmett Till after his mother had a funeral that had tens of thousands of people and people were just outraged across the country. But if those two men could get off and basically be scot-free and sell their story of how they really did it for $4,000, why would you think that you were protected? Why would you think that you were safe? So while we don't see the mass amount of lynchings as there was back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, we still see that racism in the South. And we still see a lot of little things about what side of town do you live on? Do you have the proper representation when you are arrested? And are you being arrested for little things that would just throw you in jail? And are you being tried in the court of public opinion or actually in a courthouse. So from my perspective, I would really like to see a little bit more investigation done, even though the DOJ has closed this case. And it seems that Carolyn Bryant herself, while now remarried and has a different last name, is kind of reclusive, doesn't want to talk about it. 
even though she's given interviews about the subject after being located, I think in the early 2000s, if it serves justice, especially because of how heinous the crime itself was, I think it needs to be carried out. It doesn't matter that she is old. Emmett Till never got to be old. He never got to be 18. Just because you are old doesn't mean you can't be tried for crimes that you willingly participated or helped in, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. There's a reason why Nazis are still being tried when they are found for atrocities committed during World War II. You need justice. And if you don't have justice, then what is the point in anything, really? If you don't have justice for crimes, then why are you not committing more crimes? Well, that about does it for the um, short, quick story over Emmett Till and what's going on currently. Um, Hopefully there'll be a little bit more information come out about what they, you know, what the county decides that they want to do, if they want to serve the warrant, if they want to or not. Or if Emmett Till's family is like, you know, maybe not. But I, from their perspective and from how they've reacted and other things and that they are, you know, the Emmett Till Foundation is pushing for this. I don't believe they're going to back down. And I'm, I'm all for it, especially if it brings light to other cold cases or unsolved lynchings. Because that's, you know, what a lot of, a lot of reopened cases from that time of the DOJ is to make sure that the right person is found for acting in that lynching that either orchestrated or if there's more involved by reexamining corpses, doing DNA tests, concluding how the actual death was, and not just maybe it was one thing or maybe it was multiple things. So like in Emmett Till's, both of his wrists were broken. His left femur was broken. He had a horrible end of his life, probably a couple, a few hours. And I cannot imagine if I had a child, how I would feel if that was my kid. So again, for Emmett Till's family to seek justice, even with how long it's been, I don't think that that's a bad thing. And with that, I hope you have a better rest of your day, a more enlightened rest of your day, whatever it may be. But thank you again for listening to But Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Courtney, and I hope you have a great day. Bye. (laughs)